Welcome to a Backyard Ultra podcast. In this episode, Phil Gore came on, less than a week after he broke the world record in a Backyard Ultra when he went for 102 hours at the Australian Masters at Dead Cow Gully. Here we go. Okay, g'day Phil, how are you going? Hey Pato, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. Um, so, yeah, first of all, well done on that performance at the Masters. That was the, one of the best things I've ever seen, I reckon. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was pretty epic, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I know you've, you've raced in um, Victoria, SA, and the ACT. Um, was yeah. the Masters the furthest you've had to travel for a race before? Um, I haven't really thought about it, but, yeah, probably. Yeah. Because it's probably you probably even travelled further than the New Zealand runners, I reckon. Come to think of it, yeah, yeah. But I think New Zealand is a little bit closer to to Queensland than what I. Am. Yeah, so it would have taken a bit of, um, I imagine anyway, it would have been a bit of um, wheeling and dealing, like with getting time off work and paying for the trip and everything like that. So when were you actually one hundred percent confirmed that you would run at the Masters? Ah. Uh. I can't remember exactly. Actually, I think it was when you did that podcast with Tim in the lead up to it, and it kind of I was I was listening to that podcast, and it just kind of built the hype up. And I'm just like, yeah, that's it. I've got to bite the bullet. I got to I got to sign up for this now. So up until then, I, I was always I was probably about like eighty or ninety percent going. Um, but yeah, just kind of had to get all my all my ducks in a row. But yeah, listen to that podcast, and it was all kind of hyped up, and it's like. Yeah, cool. Let's do this, and um, kind of book the tickets, and then kind of manage the time off of work after after that. So, yeah, you would have had some serious uh, FOMO if you weren't there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like knowing that Harvey Lewis is going to be there, and um, and Ryan Crawford, and you know there would have been a chance for it to go really big. Um, and it's like I, I know I'm going to get that chance at Bigs. Um, but I mean, this is probably a better course for it. I think not. Not that I've seen bigs, but from what I've heard, it, it's a, a pretty tough course. Yeah. Um. And yeah, just being kind of in my home country and being a bit more familiar, I thought that'd be a, a better place to to kind of go for a big total. Yeah. And it, there were a lot of similarities between the Masters and Bigs as well, because you've got the day and night course. Um, yeah. Even the temperature, I had a look at Tennessee's temperature in October and it's not even all that dissimilar to the conditions at the Masters, I reckon. Yeah, I think Tennessee is probably going to be a little bit warmer overnight. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just kind of have to wait and see. Temperature is one of those those funny things that it can vary a lot. So mm. we won't really know until a few days out, I think. Yeah. Um, so the race started at 7 a.m. on the Saturday morning. And yep. um, I understand you stayed at the race venue the night before. Yeah, yeah. So Tim was really good. Um, he put us up in his house. Uh, so yeah, had a nice, comfy bed and, and that the night before. Um, so yeah, that that was that was perfect. Yeah. Um, what did you have for dinner? Uh, you know, it was just one of those microwave, those Coles microwave meals. Um, like we had a full kitchen set up there, but I just wanted something that was just like. No fuss. I didn't have to worry about cooking and, and cleaning. It was just like put in the microwave and ready to go. Um, yeah. And it's just something like that. That's the sort of stuff I'll, I'll have at work anyway. So I know 
that my body tolerates it fine and we're not going to have any issues the next day with it. Um, and, yeah, it's got, like, all the kind of nutrition that I need in it, so it works well. Yeah, perfect. Um, no dessert? Uh, I don't think so, no. I might have had some snacky stuff, but, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so how important, I can imagine it would be very important, but how important is a good night's sleep and, like, what time do you go to bed? Uh, so I think I went to bed about 8.30. Um, it was probably a little bit later than I wanted to, but we're staying in the house with Harvey and we're just, like, you know, chatting all night. And I, I probably could have stayed up all night chatting. Like, it was so great. Um, but it yeah, kind of got to 8.30 and we're kind of thinking, yeah, we've got this big run to do tomorrow, so should probably head off to bed. Uh, so, yeah, I would have been in bed by about 8.30 and probably asleep by 8.45, 9 o'clock. Like, uh, yeah. I would have been down pretty quick. Yeah. The um, And did you sleep well? Like, did you, like, because you were, like, excited? Like, were you waking up during the night or anything like that? Uh, not really. I, th I think I slept pretty well. Um, it, it's weird. Like, going into a backyard, it's like the event doesn't even really start when it does. Like, the event doesn't – the race doesn't start till you know, three or four days in. So, it's like I'm just thinking I'm, I'm going to – sleep now and in the morning I'm going to get up and do a warm-up run you know I don't have that stress that it's like you know a marathon and it's like you know I've got to be like you know really switched on for that three hours it's just like well I'm just going to like cruise into it and and take it easy those first couple of days um so I don't really have that that pressure on me to you know I have to get the perfect sleep and I think that just sort of makes me sleep better yeah um you definitely looked really relaxed um on that morning yeah yeah i felt yeah it, it was really it was really good just there were so many people around like lots yeah. of people to chat to and um yeah it, it's always good you, you don't have to go out too fast and you can just be nice and relaxed and just enjoy it and for that first like that first day i just did i just really enjoyed being out there and, and running and you know meeting new people um and and yeah just talking to people and get getting to know everyone so it was really great mm. something that some people ask me every now and then about backyard ultras and sleep the night before and um scott snell actually mentioned that he does this um is that he actually takes a sleeping tablet to make sure he gets a good night's sleep that has that ever have you ever considered doing uh, so yeah i use uh, melatonin so just like oh little chewy gummy and it's like all natural stuff yeah um so yeah i use that before an event um and they're really good for like post event as well because yeah people just think oh you go four days without a proper sleep you just sleep really well but it's not it's yeah it's really hard to actually have a proper sleep like i still haven't had a proper sleep since the event oh, yeah. um but that melatonin it does it does help a little bit yeah, yeah. My my kids have melatonin to help them go to sleep. So Yeah. Well that's why we, we, we originally got it was for the kids and then I was like, Oh, I wonder if I try some how that'll work. Yeah. And it, yeah, it goes really well and it's because it's all natural stuff anyway, it's it's not like yeah, you're taking drugs or anything. So hmm. um yeah, your body takes it really well. Yeah, because it's different from a sleeping tablet like um because melatonin, like you said, it's all natural. Whereas some sleeping tablets, it puts you into like an artificial kind of chemical kind of sleep. Yeah. The melatonin's not like that. 
yeah, the, the melatonin, it kind of just stimulates those natural body responses. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've got a pretty good sleeping routine anyway, um, and not just like before race day, but pretty much every every night when I go to bed, I've, I've got, got a routine which um, yeah, kind of just helps me get to sleep really quickly. Like yeah. I used to take my phone to bed and I'd just be like mindless scrolling for ages, but now I just put my phone in a different room and charge it overnight. And I found I can just get to sleep really easy. And I'm not like, you know, struggling to get to sleep. It's like, oh, I'll just quickly check my phone and, you know, check my phone and then try to go back to sleep again. It's because it's not there. I don't have that temptation. Yeah. So I've definitely got that temptation. I check it every night about 1 a.m. I reckon. But I, I might yeah. try the melatonin thing because um, I woke up at 1 a.m. on the morning of the Masters and I was so excited I couldn't get back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least at least during the events like that, you can kind of get a little bit of sleep during the event. So if you if you yeah miss out a bit on the night before, don't worry, you can yeah, yeah. make make it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, um, the day started on the uh, sorry the race started on the day loop, which is famous yep. for the gully. And yep. during their April event, like close to two hundred people runners run the, that gully loop so a lot of people would be interested to hear how you actually um ran the gully like how did you manage that loop um so i would run typically it did vary from lap to lap but typically i'd run the first two k's which brings you to the start of the gully and then i'd walk through the gully um just number one it wasn't as runnable as the rest of it like there were bits that you could run but i just thought it's just easier to walk that bit and it was also like a lot cooler and shaded and especially when it uh started to heat up during the day it's like i just want to maximize that time that i'm in the in the shade of the course um and then yeah once once you kind of get out of the gully and it it kind of opens up into the wider track and it's a lot more runnable just kind of you know take off a bit there and and get some speed up again Mm. um but yeah the gully was really nice i like walking through there um and i think because we only had 54 starters like not like the 200 that you're talking about for the the normal event I, it never really felt like there was a queue like building up trying to get through there so i could still kind of go through there at my own pace i wasn't caught up behind people or i wasn't holding people up behind me um and i think a lot of people were kind of on the same train of thought as i was that to just walk that bit because it's not as runnable. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And also that um, first two Ks leading into the gully, it's fully exposed sun as well, so. Yeah, um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of bits where there's shade, but only for maybe 20 or 30 metres. So yeah. that, that's the other thing. If you just run that first two Ks just to get out of that sun, um, the, the, the less time I can spend in the sun, the better, so yeah sure the um yeah and like you said like with those first four or five hours it definitely looked like you were really relaxed you were just enjoying running with the other runners um yep. and it looked like by the night time you definitely um were in the zone though would you agree with that yeah so i have very distinct daytime and nighttime routines yeah. and i think this it was just kind of um having the two different courses just kind of emphasized those routines a bit more and just being so being on the road it was pretty much you know i could run the whole way 
and I like to do my night laps a bit quicker. So I'll try and do them in under under 40 minutes, maybe as quick as 38 minutes. And that, that for me is just to, to maximize that sleep time. Um, and also it was just so cold out there as well. If you, if you're moving too slow, y- your body's not generating as much body heat and that cold's really, really getting to you. So I think even just go, going at a quicker pace to help that body warm up. Um, so yeah, just get through those, those cold laps. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that you were, you were going pretty fast. Like I think sometimes I went past Walsh's road the first time and you were just about to or you were running up Walsh's Road when I was running past it. So yeah, you were yeah. You were going well. Um did you run the day loop in a fairly consistent time or did you vary the time um on the day loop depending on circumstances? Yeah, it was pretty consistent. It was probably around the 48 minute mark. Um yeah. if I was going to have a shower, because I'd have a shower I think by the third or fourth day loop, I was having a shower. That one was a quick lap. That was about 40 minutes. Um, and then otherwise, it, just if I had like a, a bigger meal to eat, I'd probably do it in about 42, 43 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, I was coming in probably pretty consistently around the 48-minute the mark. I remember on the first day, I think there was actually probably four or five laps in a row where they were all within 10 or 20 seconds of each other. Right. It was like between... 48.30 and 48.50 or something like that. Yeah. And just like every lap come in and it's like, oh, yeah, cool. That was a couple of seconds quicker than your last lap. Um, so, and that that wasn't intentionally planned that way. It just kind of happened. Yeah. You were just in the zone, I guess. Yeah. It's just, just probably that that autopilot, just yeah. muscle memory. Yeah. Um. So Tim Walsh, the race director, he definitely sent out a lot of, comms um to the runners to make sure that we were all aware how cold it would be at night time because i think a lot of people thought i think queensland it's not going to get cold but um it was definitely freezing i reckon it was probably the coldest i've ever run in um yeah definitely yeah that first night especially i think it was i think it got down to negative two but then feels like negative four or it was something ridiculous yeah yeah so i didn't make it past the first night but were the other nights that cold i think the second night was the worst really and then i think the third night was was better than the second and first and then the fourth night was probably pretty similar um but yeah the the i actually ended up getting frostbite on my cheeks from those those first couple of nights um yeah it was it, it was it was like the only um part of me that was exposed yeah um because i had like the long sleeves on the long pants i had the buff and the gloves but yeah just like cold air like going on my cheeks it just ended up giving me a little bit of frostbite yeah um did you and i I read somewhere you were taking cold showers leading up to the race um to prepare because you knew it was going to be cold but um yeah, yeah taking the cold showers yeah so this is something i did probably started a couple of years ago when I was doing the the track race in Canberra and I knew it was going to be cold there. And there was one training run I went out one morning and I was, there was like a bit of standing around, like, cause I was just with a group of mates and I was just standing there and I was shivering and it was only really like, it wasn't even the start of winter yet. It was, it was only just starting to get cold. And I, I'm like, kind of came to the realization, like I'm not good with cold at all. Like this is an area that I need to improve on. So I just like 
thought, how am I going to get better at this? And it's like, I'll just start having cold showers. So pretty much after every run, just come in, like just my normal shower of the day, instead of using hot water, use cold water. Um, and then I also, a lot of my runs are done like first thing in the morning. So I'd be going out first thing in the morning and it's trying to avoid using gloves and buffs and jackets and, and things like that. So just trying to let my body kind of adapt to the cold. So, yeah, I've done the same thing again this year. Um, yeah, coming into Dead Cow, I knew it was going to be cold there. So I've just, yeah, been doing the, the cold showers and the running in, in minimal gear just to kind of get my body used to that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so I, I get to Dead Cow and it, it's still bloody cold and I can still feel the cold, but I think I handled it a lot better than how I normally would have. Yeah. Um, apparently, like, having cold showers, it's pretty – apparently it's pretty good for you. Like, that Wim Hof thing has taken off a bit. So do you think it's yeah, – I've, I've heard a, I've heard a little bit about that, but I haven't really kind of delved into that side of it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's – I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's an area I can, I can look at if I'm going to continue to improve. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think there is benefits to it. Um, and I think even just – like I kind of looked at it as as mental training as well because there's a lot of cold mornings there where I'm standing in the shower and it's like I don't want to do this. This is cold, <laughs> and it's just like you just gotta you just gotta switch off that part of your brain and just turn that tap on and stand under it. And it's it's like the same thing when you know you need to get out there for that next lap. You just need to switch off. You just need to get out there and line up for that lap. So I think it helps with that mental training as well. Like you can't just sit around and wait for conditions to get better. You just, you know, this this is the time that you need to be out there. So get out there on that start line and let's go. Yeah. Did you um, get better at the cold showers? Like, did you start off taking thirty second cold showers and build your way up to say like five minute cold showers or anything like that? Oh, I kind of no, I kind of just went straight into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like because I did a bit of reading about it first, and they say just have your normal shower and then for like the last ten seconds put a cold tap on and you know kind of slowly build up. But for me, it's like, well, I don't have a lot of time, so let's just go straight into it. And it was just like cold shower straight away, did none of the warm water stuff. Um, but I think I did find over time that I could tolerate it a bit longer, so my showers might kind of extend out a bit more. And I think the more that you stand in there anyway, like the first probably 20, 30 seconds is really hard, but then once you've stood there for a while, your body kind of just adapts to it. So mm. you can end up being in there a bit longer. Yeah. Um, so a lot of runners describe that night course as being brutal and they weren't expecting it to be so hard. Um, I definitely found it hard. And I'm not sure if it's because it was of the cold or if it was something else, but what did, did you think it was hard? I think the cold definitely made it harder than it should have been. Um, the... I, I, there was a bit of monotony to it because you're just like kind of just on this same road and it's not – you don't really have anything exciting to look at um, like compared to the gully. The gully was like a really nice course to run through. Um, but like when, when we did the Sat Chance last year, that was just a straight out and back road. And I'm like thinking at least this one, it's got corners. Like how good are corners? Like, And you can kind of break it up. It's like, okay, I'm out of the driveway now. I need to run out to Runnymede Road and then I'm going to turn a corner and – then you've got the the two different turnaround points. So you're kind of just thinking in your head, you know, I've got to get to that, I think it was 2.3 Ks and then whatever it was to the next one. And 
Um, it, it helps you break it down. So there, there was a bit of monotony, but for me, I would take that course over the over the day course, um, just because I like to do my laps fast at night, and that that was perfect for for running those fast laps, and I didn't have to worry about trip hazards or anything like that. Yeah, I could just go out and do a fast lap, and if it's a little bit boring, that's alright. I can handle that. The cold. You know, just got to deal with that. But, you know, if we'd done the, the gully course, it would have been cold as well. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was I, – I, and I actually liked the fact that it – yeah, it was, you know, different having that contrast. Mm. So you, by the end of running on the night laps, you're kind of, oh, thank God, we're, we're back on the gully. And then by the end of running on the gully, you're like, oh, thank God, we're, we're back onto the road. Yeah. So it kind of gave you that different thing to look forward to and – you know, if you're kind of getting to like one of those dark places where you're struggling, you're just like, well, three more laps and then we'll be back on the gully and you, you can kind of just break it down like that. And mm. I think that makes it easier mentally. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why they had bought in the day and night loop. Not only, well, because of that mental break it gives you or the mental, I don't know what you call it, the mental advantage it could give you just to keep, yeah. keep going, yeah. Yeah, so I think, yeah, Tim was just trying to simulate kind of the conditions that you'd have at Biggs. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of like that. I, I think it worked really well, and I guess the proof is in the pudding because we ended up going <laughs> quite, quite a long way with it. Um, but, yeah, just it, it it was really easy to kind of break it down into those those day and night routines, mm. and you, you kind of only – like I never looked too far ahead anyway, but just knowing that – you know, you're only going to be on the road for like another three or four hours. And then, you know, when you're starting to struggle on the day course because it's getting too hot, you're just like, well, there's only like three or four more hours out on this day course and we'll switch back to the night. So, yeah, it did help. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth mentioning as well. I think you actually ran through the winter solstice. So you ran through the longest night and the shortest day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you definitely notice it because like two of the day loops, so – Tim had done the even split with the 12 and 12, but then like two of your day loops were pretty much night loops anyway. Like you had to have your headlamp um, and, and yeah, you, you had light for a little bit of it. Um, but yeah, you definitely notice that the the days are shorter and the, the nights are longer. Yeah. Um, did you consider the cold when you were planning your nutrition at night? Like were you eating more warm food or anything like that? Uh, no, I didn't didn't really switch up the nutrition um i just kind of just stick to what I, I normally have and if anything like at night um because we we're in the house i'd come into the house and i'd actually have the fan on in oh. the room because i was my body was still like trying to cool down and having the fan on it was still warmer in that room than the temperature it was outside but i didn't want to i didn't want to go into something that was too hot because i think that that contrast would have just been too great and yeah. it probably would have like messed my body up a little bit so i mean some of the foods i had at night was, was warm foods but not like i didn't choose that specifically because okay yes this is a hot meal i better have that when it's cold right. it's kind of that's just how it worked out on my plan yeah all right yeah cool um just generally as a oh, backyard ultra running question do you think it's a good idea to run a fast lap here and there even if you don't need any extra time in between loops, just to keep the legs ticking over and to stop um, and to avoid going into a death spiral? 
yeah, yes and no. I mean, you got to do what works for you. I mean, you could go out and do a fast lap and then that could just stuff you up for the whole rest of the race. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of, this is just kind of how I've done it since my second ever backyard is doing those fast night loops. And for me, I'm, I'm a fast runner over like short distances anyway. So for me to go and do a 38 minute 6.7 K, um, it is quick, but it's not like I'm not at my max pace. Um, but yeah, I think rather than doing a whole lap quick, just pick sections in the, in the course to stretch your legs out and kind of pick up that speed. But I probably wouldn't recommend it doing it like just doing a fast lap just for the, for the sake of it, mm. unless, you know, it's something that you, your body's kind of used to and it's, it's not. You know, you're not at your max pace. It's just, you know, kind of a little bit faster than, than your usual lap. Yeah, 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 cool. Um, on that first night, I'm assuming you started napping on that first night. Um, yeah. yeah. About around what time did you start napping between laps? Uh, so it was the second night loop. So yeah. the way I do it now is like I used to just try and sleep every single night lap. Yeah. But I found that that was – I was doing too many fast laps in a row. So what I do now is I do three fast laps in a row, so I get three sleeps in a row, and then the next lap will be a bit more relaxed. And then – so I don't get back with enough time to sleep, but that's I'll, – I'll have like a proper meal or something then, so I've still got the time to have that meal. Mm. So breaking it down into those three lots of three with the two kind of shorter breaks in between, um, I found that worked really well for me this time. And it just it yeah because it it can be a lot of work to just try and maintain that quicker pace. But if you you know you only need to do it for three in a row, and then you can be a bit more relaxed. It it, it helps break that night up. You've just got to focus on that three lots of three. Yeah, definitely. The around what stage did you start sleeping during the day? If you slept during the day. Yeah, never. I just I stuck to my plan pretty much a hundred percent. There was a few laps kind of towards the end where um, I had to change my plan, like change my pace to stick with Sam. Um, so a couple of the early morning laps, um, like before sunrise on the fourth morning when I was meant to have sleep, um, yeah, I, I dropped my pace back to, to help Sam through the night. And so I didn't get my sleep then. But other than that, yeah, I've, I've stuck pretty much completely to my plan. So... Yeah, slept on on all the, the night laps I was meant to, and I didn't find that I needed to sleep during the day. Right, so you got enough sleep, you didn't even need to sleep during the day, really. Uh, I wouldn't say enough. <laughs> you can never get enough sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, according to my plan, um, I, I yeah pretty much stuck with that routine. And I think it's during the day because you've got the sun out and because of like, the circadian rhythm of your body, you're not really in that sleep mode. Um, but at night when, you know, it's dark outside and your body's telling you now is the time to sleep, that's when you kind of got to capitalise on that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, like, during the day, it's it's more about just taking it easy and conserving the energy and, um, you know, catching up on your nutrition and stuff because I probably eat a little bit less at night, so I, I eat a bit more during the day. Mm. When the sun came up every morning, like, I'm assuming it re revitalised you a bit, 
um, and gave you some energy. Did that happen every day? Like even on the fourth day, this, did the sun still revitalize yeah. you? Yeah, it, it, and it's like that with every with every backyard, except it was probably not the first lap where the sun came up, maybe not even the second lap, but the third lap because it just wasn't warm enough and you're still out there um, and you're still like freezing. But as soon as it started to get a bit warm and you could take those those buffs and those jackets off, that's when I started to kind of get that lift. Yeah. It was pretty amazing how quickly it got cold at night and how quickly it warmed up in the morning. Yeah. And just the temperature differences as well, like going from those negative twos to like the, the over 20s. Yeah. And it's like I'm going from wearing an ice collar um, during the day to, you know, wearing two jumpers at night. It's just <laughs> the extremes were just bizarre. Um, and, yeah, you really only got like a window of two, maybe three hours over that sunrise, sunset period where it was kind of a, a tolerable temperature. Yeah. But otherwise it was just like really warm or freezing cold. <laughs> yeah. um, so you and Aaron Young were the um, only two WA runners over there for it. And yeah. um, the like the 2-2 tradition originated in WA. So you must have been pretty happy with the number of um, runners that put on the 2-2 for lap 22. Yeah, I was, I was a bit surprised actually because we did kind of put a, something up in a, in a comment somewhere. So the word did get out, but I just wasn't expecting to have that many people. I mean, it wasn't a huge number, I think maybe 10 or so. Um, and we had a couple of spare 2-2s as well, so we was able to get Harvey Lewis in one, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see that kind of people are taking notice and um, it's just a fun little thing to do and especially for those people that, you know, might struggle to get to 24 hours but they have that as a goal. This is kind of just that little intermediate. It's like you just need to get to 22 because then you can wear the 2-2 and then once they get to 22 and they've done that lap, it's like, well, hang on, there's only two more now to get to, to 24. So I think it can help people mentally from that point of view. Yeah. And, I mean, it's unfortunate that it was still nighttime when it was lap 22 because the photo is pretty dark. But it, yeah. um, it, it's a pretty good photo for, like, those people to have their photo taken with everyone else in their tutus. Yeah. 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 It, it is annoying when that 22 lap happens in the middle of the night. Um <laughs> But yeah, like at, at Herdies, um, yeah, like it's it's happening at I think what two in the afternoon. So and you've got a lot of people around, and even like your spectators and your, your crews putting on tutus as well. And it's yeah, it, it's pretty amazing to see so many people in the tutus. Yeah. But yeah, at night everyone's kind of you don't have a lot of spectators and stuff at that time of night. And yeah, you can put the tutu on and you can kind of get a, a half decent photo at the start. But then yeah, no one sees the tutus after that because it's all dark. <laughs> yeah. It's still, um, still a bit of fun though, still something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually in the farmhouse um, when uh, Harvey Lewis came in and took off his tutu and he goes, it's the first time I've ever worn a tutu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was pretty cool that he, he got on board with it. Yeah. Because we were talking to him, we were talking to him about it like a few laps before and he didn't know anything about it. And it's like, oh, don't worry, we've got a spare tutu. And it's like, oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, we got we got him in one. So hopefully yeah. that's a tradition he can take back to the to the backyards in the US. And, yeah, yeah, we'll see if it takes off there. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's definitely starting to spread spread around a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you're famous for liking a shower during backyard ultras. 
as a way yeah. to freshen up and all that type of stuff. So were you able to um, utilise the shower at this race as much as you would have liked? Yeah, so I had on the schedule to have just one a day um, and that worked out really well. I probably um, could have squeezed another one in there just before night time. Um, but, yeah, as it was, that one, one a day worked worked fine. And, yeah, it was really great, like Tim opening up his house and having a proper shower. I didn't have to kind of, you know, connect a hose to a tap and have a, an ad hoc thing. Um, and, yeah, not nice and warm and everything. So, um, and, uh, yeah, Harvey was doing the showers as well, but it was lucky that the times he, he was kind of one or two laps before me. So we weren't, like, in a in a race back to get to the shower first. It was he'd have his shower and then, you know, a lap or two later, I'd go and I'd use the shower, and um, yeah, it just worked out really well that way. Yeah, if you both, if your plan had you both to have the shower at the same time, you would have had to have had a shower together. <laughs> yeah, maybe, or or we'd just have a race, and first one back gets it first. <laughs> but I mean, th- there would have been enough time for us both to have one. I think. Yeah. Um, I just don't like to kind of cut it too too close. So yeah. I probably would have had a discussion with him. Or if there was anyone else that wanted to use the shower at that time, kind of have a discussion to see if one of us can move the shower around on the plan or something just to make it easier for both of us. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so speaking to – whenever I've spoken to our other backyard ultra runners who go deep or consistently do above, like 50, whatever, um, they tend to say that the first 48 hours – is just a case of being patient, calm, and just getting through them as the race really starts after 48. Um, yeah. So you kind of alluded to the fact before that you kind of feel the same way. Um, but what were the first 48 hours like for you? Yeah, it, it definitely is a game of patience. Um, yeah, so as I said before, like that first day was, you know, really enjoyable, just was ch- chatting with lots of people. Um, and just, you know, just taking in like the, the beauty of the, of the course. And, um, yeah, it's like, I, I never really try to get too ahead of myself. So I don't, I don't start at the start line thinking, oh, I've still got another, you know, 75 to 100 hours ahead of me. Like, I'm just only ever thinking like a few laps ahead. So I'll come in and, you know, talk to my crew and they're like, okay, your next lap, you're running at this pace. You're going to have this to eat. And, you know, that's all I'm kind of thinking about. I might be thinking, you know, I've got three laps left until sunset or, you know, might think that far ahead, but really I'm not thinking about what's happening the next day or on the third day or fourth day. It's it's like that'll come when it comes. I just, all I need to do is follow my process. I just need to, you know, look at what the plan says for this lap and just do that. And then if I keep doing that, um, eventually... You know, I'll get to those points in my plan where I'm, where it's 75 hours or 100 hours or whatever it is. Mm. It's because this was like a bit of a, a special race, was it kind of, um, I guess, was it easier to get through those 48 hours because it was a special race? Oh, uh, you mean like just because I knew it was probably going to go pretty deep? Yeah, like... Yeah, because you knew it was going to go deep and because um, it was the Masters, you have all these new runners you haven't raced against, a, yeah. a high-quality field of runners as well. It was- yeah. Yeah, and I guess it was because, like, 
a lot of the backyards I've done have been in Perth and it's like talking to a lot of the same people. So this was a chance to actually get to meet new people. Mm. Um, like I had a great time running with Akana and, and talking with her for ages. Yeah. Um, she's someone you should get on the podcast as well. She's got some really great stories to tell. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, yeah, getting to know her better and, you know, get to run a few laps with you and, you know, chat with you kind of outside the podcast and, yeah. you know, outside messenger. Yeah. Um, just good to kind of chat in person. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like Tim K, um, who, you know, I've run with at a couple of backyards before, but, you know, he's a Victorian and I'm in Perth, so we don't really talk that much. So when we do get to see each other at events like this, it's, yeah, just good to kind of, to catch up. And, mm. um, yeah, it was just, there, there was always someone kind of interesting to talk to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just really, yeah, that, I think that's what it's about in those early hours is just, you know, you, you know, you're going to be there for a long time. So let's just make the most of it and let's just really, you know, enjoy our time together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I had Laz on the podcast a little while ago, he said that runners who have gone past 80 will say, and this is what he said word for word. He said, he will say it gets harder and harder and harder until out there somewhere in the seventies or eighties where it feels like you can break through and it feels like you can just run. So did you have that experience? I did. I did. On the, it was probably the third day. Um, like I, I was just feeling, I was feeling so fresh. Oh, it was, it was probably the fourth day even. I was just like the, the third night I actually found easier than the second and first night. And I got through that third night, you know, I had my shower. I was just feeling so fresh and it was kind of like I was just, you know, getting into the, getting like stuck into the run and like like it could have it could have almost been day one and as i'm running i'm just thinking this could go on forever like are they going to have to bring in a cat are they going to have to say right we can't have backyards go past five days if you get to five days that's it we call it quits and i'm just like because the way i feel now i just feel like i could keep going and going and yeah, like I was feeling like it was day one. I'm like, well, so if I get through the the fourth night and, you know, go and have my shower and feel refreshed again, am I still going to feel like it's, you know, back on day one and I'm going to keep going again? So it's, yeah, I, I think things can take a turn pretty quickly though. But I think it got to the point where like physically and mentally I was just, you know, going through the motions and I was just able to keep going and going and it just, I thought the thing that's going to limit me here is an injury. I think everything else I feel like I can keep going, but if there's an injury or some sort of medical emergency, that's what's going to be, that stops me. Yeah. And so did that feeling, did that last till the end of the race or was it just like for five hours? Or Yeah, it, it kind of gets a bit tough through through the night. Yeah. But, yeah, just when you get to the next day and, you know, the sun's up again and um, and it starts to warm up, you just kind of get that feeling again like, yeah. Yeah, we can just keep going and you know you get to the night and the night's gonna be tough, but you just think, Well, you know, I know if I can get through the night then it's just gonna be you know, I'm gonna have that easy through the day again. Yeah. Do you know if the other runners felt the same way or could did it look like they felt the same way? Uh I don't know. Um Yeah, I, I mean Sam and Harvey they, they did look pretty strong throughout most of it but towards the end you notice little signs of weakness 
Um, but I mean, they they still seem to be running pretty strong. Mm. Um, but just little things like when they're on the start line and they're a bit hunched over, or you know, their crew's helping him back to their tent. Um, just little things like that. You think, oh, maybe they're starting to show signs of weakness, but but otherwise they were they were running pretty strong. So yeah. Um, were you paying much attention to milestones and things like that while you're out there? Uh, a little bit. Like I, I haven't written down on my plan. Um, like I, I knew when the um like when the Australian record was and um the American record. So I know when they're coming up and um I also had a list of like the top ten in the world. So I was kind of like picking them off as, as we got through the list and I'm like, oh cool, yeah, top nine now, I'm top seven. Um but it's not yeah, it's not something I kind of have as a goal, like I have to get to this point. It's just kind of like a nice to know. Like when I'm going out on, on that lap, my crew's like can just tell me, oh yeah, you finish this lap, you'll be top seven. And it's like it's kind of a nice to know, but it's not like that's what I'm there for or or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. I guess it's something to um keep you mentally stimulated a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah, just and just having those those little wins and mm. yeah. Mm. Um, have you heard from Laz since you broke the record? No, haven't haven't heard anything. I right. mean, there's he's put a f- post up on Facebook, um, but yeah, nothing really specific. Just saying um, that we've got like four people that have done over a hundred now, but yeah, yeah, not, nothing really specific from from Laz saying anything. So fair enough. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I heard you mention that um, that you sent Gabby, your nutritionist, um, a couple of messages d- during the event just um, with nutrition questions. So did you have to make many adjustments during the race? Or um... Um, No, my, my plan was pretty solid. Um, so we had Gabby as part of our crew as in like we had a chat group between myself and my crew that was there and then we had Gabby in as well. And what we do is, because my plan has got like 12 hours per page, so at the end of each page, which was pretty much at the end of the night or at the end of the day, um, we just take a photo of that and we send it through to her. And so she'd have a look. And, I mean, most of the times things were just going really well. There might have been like a couple of little things, like I didn't eat that gel there or I struggled to eat the potato or or something like that. Um, and, yeah, just if I had kind of any sort of little niggles or – anything like that, um, anything to do with, like, hydration, um, you know, kind of just send her a, a little query in the in the chat group saying, you know, this is what's happening, you know, any, you know, just sort of troubleshooting things and, you know, she might get back to us with some advice. And But she was she was really good. She was, yeah, kind of at all hours. She was, she was there on the phone and, um, yeah, the, the nutrition plan that she'd done in advance, it was just... Yeah, as, as I said, I only had to vary from it a couple of times. Um, but otherwise, every time I come in, I'd, I'd eat exactly what I needed. Um, and I think, yeah, that's what really helped me get through and I kind of had that sustained energy levels throughout. So She's um, she's awesome, isn't she? Like, um, Yeah. So knowledgeable and she you can tell yeah. she's really into backyard ultras too. Yeah, yeah, and she's, she's learned a lot. Um, so before working with, I, I think I was probably, I mean, she can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I probably was one of her first sort of clients in that backyard space. Mm. And 
um i think just working together it's, it's kind of been a mutually beneficial thing like i've learned so much from her and i've refined my plan so much but she's also kind of got that insight onto backyards and been able to um, learn a lot from me and and uh, share that knowledge with with the other runners that she's worked with so i think she's kind of got like a bit of a a niche um area of expertise there in in the nutrition for backyard ultras um i mean she'll she'll help with with nutrition for any ultra marathon or triathlon um but i think she's probably unique in the aspect that she she knows the kind of intricate workings of the of the backyard yeah um i know tim k is one of her clients as well and he told me that she's helped him a lot too and i think he, he said yeah. he told me um one of the contributing major contributing factors to him finishing down under 135 was her advice her nutrition advice yeah yeah so i had a good chat with tim when we were out there and um i don't know if you were watching hurdies or saw him at the end of hurdies but how he looked at like lap 48 he was just all over the place he, he was shocking and then compare that to how he was at at the masters and it was just like the other extreme like he was all over it and if he hadn't injured himself um he would have yeah he would have just kept going and going because his nutrition um and his plan for that event was just yeah everything was going really well yeah yeah um did you have any hallucinations or have you ever had hallucinations before no i don't i don't really get hallucinations um but i do get auditory hallucinations i could i don't see stuff but i'll hear stuff um so one of the you, you probably know from hurdies but at, the, at five minutes to the hour you play the song these boots are made for walking by nancy sinatra so what my crew do to set the alarm to wake me up is they use that song so that kind of got stuck into my head a bit and i'd be out on the course and then i'm just vividly hearing this song and there were some points i was even thinking you know because i think at one point sam was running with a speaker on his back or something and i was like turning around to see if sam was coming up behind me that had a speaker on his back playing this song <laughs> um and yeah it, it was just weird they, they kind of i was talking to my crew about it and then they kind of veered away from using that alarm because i was probably getting a bit of ptsd from it <laughs> um but there were still other kind of songs that i would hear i'd just be out there and i just hear these songs like so clearly and it's like they're not even songs that I'd, I'd know the words to but then all of a sudden i know the words to them and i'm just hearing it in my head so that that's about as far as hallucinations go for me I, I haven't really had any yeah like seeing anything out of the ordinary like you know aliens or spaceships or <laughs> anything like that um so i, I yeah I, I think that's probably just like i with my nutrition and and you know getting my sleep and conserving my energy throughout the race i don't think i take yeah I, I think those hallucinations come when you, you've kind of taken your body to its absolute limit and, or or something's out of balance like your electrolytes or your nutrition or something like that mm. so i think just because everything kind of goes smoothly for me i don't get to that point yeah um so it sounds like you didn't have any issues with staying fo or losing focus or anything like that but were but were there any times when like you were out there and you kind of like forgot why you were out there or almost got lost or anything like that uh not really um there's a couple of times maybe on the on the road loop 
where I'd have to look at my watch and see what distance I was at to kind of remind me what part of the course I was on. Mm. Um, but otherwise, I was I was pretty level-headed throughout most of the event. There, there were a couple of times I came into my crew. I think it was, it was normally towards the end of the day laps, and I, I'd, I'd say to them, just for them to make a note on the plan, that, um, yeah, I'm starting to get into that headspace where I'm not thinking quite clearly. But, but then within a couple of laps, and I think probably once I started having those sleep laps, that kind of cleared up. Um, so it never really became an issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so everyone knows you as the guy who um, has everything meticulously planned. And not only that, but you've got a contingency plan for when your plan doesn't go to plan. Um, so were there any times at the Masters when you had to revert to a contingency? Um, not really, no. I think, like, <clears throat> each event I've done recently leading up to this is, is they've just been kind of like trial runs and this every, everything was just kind of nailed and I was really happy with how everything progressed according to the plan. And as I said, the only time I deviated from my plan was when it was just down to me and Sam and it was kind of just before sunrise and Sam was really struggling and we, we were kind of talking about getting to a world record here and I knew it wasn't far away. And I'm like, well, if I drop back and I run with him and help him get through the night, then that's going to give us that chance to get to the world record. Um, but it was just those two laps. And then um, he started running on his own again once the sun was up until he yeah, kind of ran into distress those couple of laps before the record. And then I just dropped back to run with him again as a, as a matter of safety to make sure he was all right getting around on the loop. Um, but besides kind of that pointy end, um, yeah, like I just followed my, my plan to the letter pretty much. And, um, I, I was really happy with, with how it all went. And yeah. I think that's just, that's just a result of pretty much all the backyards I've done up until this point and just refining that process and that plan each time and coming up with with this plan that I have now. And th this will probably be the same thing that I'll use going into bigs. I mean, there's a there's a couple of little tweaks that I'll I'll make to it um, based on based on how the masters went. Um, but otherwise it's gonna be very, very similar. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it definitely worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was happy with it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, look, you've thought of everything in Backyard Ultras. Like, you've got your nutrition nailed. You've got your yep. sleep nailed. You've got your pace that you're running, your loops, everything nailed, everything down pat. But And I don't want you to give away any secrets or anything like that, but one aspect that no one really talks about much is, like, the psychological warfare kind of stuff that happens in the races especially deep in the races is that side of um is that side of backyard ultras something that you've also given much thought to yeah and I, i've i've kind of had that happen in in races um you know the, the mind game start and yeah. um but for me it just it just comes back to following that plan just focus on what i'm doing you know, if the other runners are coming in looking really fresh or or however they're looking, um, like I, I just don't read into it. I just, you know, what what do I have to do? Okay, my next lap is saying I'm running at 48 minutes, so let's go out and do a 48-minute lap. 
But if they come in and they're looking shattered and they're looking like they haven't got much left in them, still in my head, I'm thinking, well, you know, it could still go on a while. So let's just stick to this plan. Let's just take it lap by lap. And even up to like that very last lap where it's like you kind of know 99% this is going to be the last lap. You still follow that process. You're still, you know, giving your lap times to your crew to, to write down and you're still getting that food ready and because, you know, it's not over till it's over. So I, I never try to get into that headspace of thinking, oh, you know, they're, they're looking pretty shattered. This this could be over soon. But also the on the other side, I don't look at it like, oh, you know, they're looking really fresh. They look like they could go on forever and try, you know, and get overwhelmed with thinking, you know, I can't just keep going because they just look unstoppable. As long as you, you focus on your own race and follow your own plan, then you can only do the best that you can do. And what what anyone else does, that's irrelevant. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I was thinking that um, you looked strong, like, all through it. Like, you were first in the corral every loop that I saw. Yeah. Oh, that's just because I'm always um, scared of, of missing that bell. Because <laughs> I'll set my alarm. I set my alarm for like four minutes before. Yeah. And then there's, you know, there's stuff I need to get ready, like put my jumper and gloves on and, you know, come out to the door. And then it's like, oh, I still got a couple of minutes. And so I might stand there for an extra minute. And then, but when that last, the, the last whistle blows for the, for the one minute remaining, it's like, I've got to get out there. Like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want to get out of a backyard just because. I've missed the cutoff by like two seconds. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's just me being impatient and right. yeah, wanting to cover all my bases. Yeah, yeah. Um, wh when did you start thinking about hitting the 100-yard milestone? Uh, probably once we got into that fifth day. Um, you know, getting through that night, um, you know, I, th I thought the 96 was kind of the next milestone I was looking at because that's, the you know, the four – the four solid days, um, and that was that was the time that kind of Sam was faltering a bit as well. So I was running with him for that bit, and I'm like, well, if I can get him through to the sunrise, and we can run some, um, and then he can, you know, kind of pick up a bit. Then, yeah, like after 96, the next kind of logical milestone is that that 101, and then the the 102 to break it. So it really wasn't until that point that I kind of started looking at that. Yeah. <laughs> when you were in the 90s was it kind of were they taking forever uh you know what i think it, the the deeper you go the quicker it takes like yeah. the first 10 hours can take forever but then like from you know 80 to 90 that can just be over like super quick so yeah and i think you just i think the further you go the more like you lose concept of time and and stuff like that so mm. i think it actually goes a lot quicker and when you're thinking yeah, so we got through to like 96 and then you're thinking the record's only, what was it, five laps away. Like five laps just, you know, it feels like nothing. Yeah. But at the start of a, a backyard and for a lot of people who are new to backyards, like five laps can feel like astronomical. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, by the time you get to that point, you just, oh, yeah, cool, another five laps. Like what's another five laps when you've already done like 95, you know? It's, yeah. 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 Um, so a lot of people listening would know that the previous Backyard Ultra World record was shared by Evo and Marin from Belgium. Um, yeah. And when they stopped together at 101 yards at the SAT Champs, some people said that they liked it, um, that they stopped together, and other people said, 
I would have liked it if they kept going till there was an eventual winner. Um, now, I know that you follow, you're not just a really good backyard ultra runner or a really good runner, but you actually follow backyard ultras pretty closely and you, you, you are a backyard ultra connoisseur. So I, I was wondering if, um, do you remember how you felt about, about it when they stopped together? Yeah, um, so I'd woken up because I, I was in the same event, obviously the one in Australia though, mm. and so I'd I'd finished like two nights before, um, and yeah, so I'd woken up in the middle of the night. It would have been like three or four in the morning, and I saw the both stops, and like I, I was kind of a bit shocked, um, and I, I'm kind of in two minds about it. like I think that was cool because they were like the first two people to to get to a hundred and to break a hundred and. You know, they've kind of just done that as a team effort and had that goal and they're just like, they're, they're both agreeing to to stop together. I thought it was kind of cool. But then on the other hand, I'm like, you know, the, the in the spirit of the backyard, it's to just keep going until you can't anymore. Mm. So, I mean, we'll never know how far they could have kept going. I mean, maybe they, they were at their limit and they've both just decided, no, nah, this is it. We'll just both call it at the same time. But no, I reckon they had a lot more in them, and it would have been really interesting to see how much further they could have gone. Because, yeah, no doubt, you know, they might be kicking themselves now, thinking, "Oh, we probably should have. We had another ten laps in us. We should have kept going to 110 or <laughs> something like that." But um, yeah, I, 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 we haven't seen the last of it. Like, we'll people will just continue to break that that hundred hundred yard barrier now, and. Mm. Um, like that world record, I know it's it's going to be fleeting. I'll, I'll probably look back on it in in a couple of years and be like, oh, remember when 102 was the world record? And you know, now we've got people running 120, 130. Like, um, because yeah, you look like what was it three years ago when I first got into backyards? The record was 75, and I remember thinking, oh, is that is that going to be possible? Am I going to be able to do that? And like, yeah, I've I've beaten that and. So yeah, we'll we'll look back on this 102, and you know it's cool to to hold the record now, um, but I also know I kind of got to cherish it while it lasts because we, we've just seen we've just seen the start of it. People people are just going to start seeing that as as the target, and you know they're going to be able to there, there'll be plenty more people who can who can do it. And there's a lot of people out there that haven't been tested, um, like I myself. I'd done up to 76 but I'd never had that assist to, to push me beyond 100. So there, there'll be people out there whose PBs might be, you know, 50 or 60 or 70, whatever it is, but they haven't been in that situation where they've had that assist to, to push them beyond that 100. So there's, there's definitely the potential out there for, for other people to follow suit. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> during the race, when you were getting close to the 100-yard milestone, um, I was getting a few messages saying, like, from people like, asking me if I thought that you would both stop together once you, like, hit 101 or 102. But I, I, I'd say, no, one of them will keep going till the finish. But did it ever cross your mind that you might stop together? Uh, <laughs> not really. I think um, I think we, we are both very stubborn. Um, we're both there to win it. And, yeah, and like I said, I think the spirit of the backyard is to – to just keep going until there's only that that one person left. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't think there would have been a situation where we would have just gone. No, let's just both tap out together because I think 
yeah, we're, we're both very stubborn. We both wanted to keep going. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and talking about Sam, he talked a big game leading into this race. And it was yeah. obvious just by looking at his previous results that he was a good runner and he was going to do really well. But um, during the race, when did you realise that this guy is actually the real deal? Um, I don't think I ever really underestimated him um, because yeah, I knew he'd had those wins in New Zealand and he was kind of, yeah, hadn't really been tested. Um, so he, he, even though his PB wasn't that high, um, like I could tell that he, he was pretty driven and I've always said like anyone can win a backyard if they really want to. And he, he definitely had that drive there to want to do it. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it is a, a big leap from what was he in the 40, 46 or something to get to a hundred. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that probably surprised me a little bit that he got that far. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's, he just hadn't been in that situation where he'd, had that person to to run with him so yeah i think i was thinking like going into the race i told some people i thought sam harvey was the x factor because you didn't really you knew he was good but you didn't know how good uh, but what did you think when he ran his first lap in 26 minutes <laughs> uh it, it's just a bit of a flex room i think i thought it was yeah he's gonna do what he wants to do um there's no there's no prizes for the fastest lap or anything so for me it's it's all about you know sticking to the plan and conserving the energy from from day one yeah um but if that's his his sort of thing he wants to do as his warm-up then you know good on him <laughs> yeah fair enough um so you not only lifted your backyard ultra game to a whole new level at the masters but i reckon you lifted your fashion game as well like that blue light blue jacket with the puffer vest on oh that was the best so that's um that's from uglo right. and that was for the for the night laps that was so handy um yeah just that that it's got like a puffer lining in it so it just kept the my core really warm um and then just like even even the little things like the pockets and stuff it had on it it meant i could carry my my drink bottle in in the jacket and i didn't have to wear my shorts which meant i could wear some warmer track pants instead and um yeah, I, re I really like that jacket. I, I might even see if I can get a second one because it's just so handy to have. So it's it's Uglo. Is it, where where can I get one? I'll Uglo myself. Um, Tribe and Trail in Mayland. Oh. So yep. yeah, that that will do delivery for you as well. Um, obviously you you're not in Perth. Um, yeah. but yeah, that that's where I got it from, and yeah, it's such a great jacket. Yeah, yeah, it looked cool too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny. Jim was saying like. Um, the first time that I wore it, it was at um, Light Horse, and she would see me coming, and she'd think, "Oh no, that's not Phil, because Phil doesn't wear a vest." Because she's saying it looks like I had a vest on. <laughs> um, but yeah, once she got used to it, she's like, "Oh yeah, okay, that's Phil coming." Yeah. Um, so if anyone was doubting a hundred yards would be reached at Bigs, I don't think that they'll be doubting it anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's still a different it's a different course. You've got the fact that um you know you can only have one crew um you know the the conditions aren't going to be as favorable like tim had kind of lined everything up at dead cow gully to just you know be perfect he'd, he'd opened up his house to people so they could go in and use the kitchen and shower and toilet and um all of that so 
Um, not having that at bigs is is going to make a difference, I think. Um, a hundred is going to be possible to get to, but it's I don't think it's going to be as easy as um, not that it was easy, um, but it, it's not going to be the same as as getting to a hundred at at dead cow. And even like from what I hear, the Belgians um, had their course pretty much set up for a for a record. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it is yeah. I'm interested to see how far I can go. I'm not. I'm not writing off that it won't get to a hundred, um, but it's just going to be a lot harder to get there. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I saw um, Evo posted um, on Strava and Instagram. It's fired him up. It's given him some extra motivation. Yeah, the record's been broken. Yeah, well, that's good. I've been looking forward to to running with them at Bigs. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know how I'll be received now that I, I took the record from him, but uh. <laughs> Um. Yeah, the the records are there to be broken anyway, and it'll be really good if um. Yeah, I'd like to to run against these Belgians and see how well um I can go against them, and you know if if they can beat me and take the record, then you know, props to them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I never kind of. Yeah. As I said, the, the world record. It's it's nice to have, but I I understand that it's fleeting and. I'm going to have to work bloody hard to to keep it, mm. and yeah, we'll just kind of see what happens at Bigs, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty cool that when Bigs comes around, um, where there's so many amazing runners, you're, you're going to be the world record holder amongst all those runners. Yeah, yeah, going in there as as the number one ranked ranked <laughs> runner is, um, yeah, like. You know, I don't. I don't go in there thinking that I'm I'm better than anyone else. I think, as I said before, there's people that haven't been tested. That you know, the the assists that they've had haven't been able to push in that far. So, I'm not going to go in there being all cocky that I've got this world record. Um, you know, it's still it's still anyone's game, and I'm I'm just I just I just love the backyard. I love competing in it, and I love seeing what people are capable of. So if if there can be like a few more people there that can get over a hundred and beat my record and, you know, hopefully I'm still there up there with them. Um, but if not, it'll still be really exciting to see those, those boundaries push. So. Mm. I reckon um, that Oriol bloke from Spain who won Suffolk backyard ultra, he looks like someone who could, yeah. who could go up, go a hundred yards, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, do you know how the marquee position is allocated at Bigs? Do you know if, like, because you're like the number one runner, like, do you get first pick? Uh, I've I've got no idea how that works. It would be nice. It would be nice. Um, but yeah, yeah. From from what I've heard, you get one marquee uh, for like you got to share with someone, so one per two two runners. Oh, yeah. And then as as the field kind of thins out, you can move move things around, but. Um, doesn't matter wherever I'm set up. That's, you know, just what I have to work with. Um, but I think you have a marquee set up, but then you also get like a chair in that closer to the start line. Yeah. So if my marquee is far away, it's just going to mean more walking up and down for my crew because I don't have to really move too far from that start finish line if I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how was the flight home from the masters? Like, were you oh, up? It was, it was horrible. I hated it. <laughs> my, my feet. Um, my feet were swollen. Um, yeah. I, I was really lucky. I got into the physio um, like just before I got on the flight. Um, 
so I was, yeah, I was lucky enough to go see a physio and he kind of did some massage on, on my legs and that and uh, got me like a compression bandage to, to help with with the flight. Um, but yeah, it was just like I I just wanted to get home and it's, it's a five and a half hour flight. Yeah. I, I was kind of lucky in that like between me and Jen, we had three seats. So I could stretch out a little bit. So I had my, my leg propped up on her legs for a little bit to try and elevate it um but just in yeah it was just that kind of dull pain that i had and not being able to you know stretch it out properly and you know lie down properly and yeah it was just i was so glad when i got off the plane and i'm thinking i've got to come home from bigs and you know the flight from there is over 20 hours like how am i going to deal with that like i've got a bit more time between when the event finishes and when I get on the plane, um, well, depending on how long the event goes for, if it goes for a couple of weeks, I'm going to be screwed. Um, but yeah, it's just, I'm thinking I've got to deal with all that on a, on a 20 hour flight. Like I'm not looking forward to it, but I, I never really think about the afterwards. It's like everything's focused on getting to the event and getting through the event. But then once the event's over, it's just like, Oh fuck. Now I just got to deal with, <laughs> deal with all this. Like I haven't prepared for this. Yeah. And how's the recovery going? Like, are you doing anything special to to help recover? Uh, just just resting as much as I can. I I ended up coming off three days off of work, um, and I've just been staying in bed a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, just trying to eat more food. Um, yeah. So I had to have my leg elevated for a little bit. Um, but I've had a few trips to the physio, so I'm up and and walking around, and hopefully I'll be be back running shortly um even if it's just getting out there for one or two k's um i kind of miss it a little bit it's nice to have a little break like i've got that excuse i don't need to get up early and go for a run but (laughs) after a few days i kind of get a bit like i just want to get out there and run it's like yeah even if it's just for one k or or something like that but i just like i don't i don't need to rush the recovery i've got a bit of time before bigs and i don't have any other big events before that so I'm just happy to to take it easy and use it as an excuse to kind of slouch around on the on the couch and watch some movies and <laughs> just embrace it while I can and um, yeah before I know it I'll be back at work again wishing I could be back in bed. So <laughs> yeah. um, I was going to ask do you do you know if you'll do any races at all between now and big, bigs? Uh, there, there's a few, but it'll just be like some some 50k's or something like that. Like I'm not going to do anything anything too big. Yeah. Um, like bigs, bigs is the priority, so I'm not going to do anything that could mean I could risk injury or or something like that. It'll just it'll literally be like maybe maybe a 50k run, like as a as a training run. But I'll, I'll look for a race that I can sign up for to use as as that training run. But there, there's a couple between now and then which I could which I could go for. But I'm not I'm not going to do anything over sort of 50 miles or over 100k's. Yeah. Um, like I'll, I'll be at I'll be at birdies, but that's to run direct. Um, mm. So I'm actually really looking forward to that to to seeing it from the other side because pretty much every backyard I've gone to, I've just been running it, and I've been running it to the very end. So I haven't even yeah I haven't got to see like any of the kind of behind the scenes stuff and um, you know talking to the runners as they as they come in and you know getting them to go out for a few more laps and things like that. So um i'm really excited about that yeah i was gonna say like um 
I bought my tickets, my plane tickets over the other day. So, all yeah, nice. Things, so. Yeah. So if you need anything for that, because um, I know how hard it is to bring stuff over in a plane, if you need anything, just let me know and I'll see what I can help sort out for you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Um, now, I saw people can purchase a special um, release Team Gore T-shirt. Yep. Yep. So if you go to my Instagram, um, so feel.gore.ultrarunner, um, just a few posts back, you'll, you'll see one there. Um, there's a link in my bio for that. Um, or otherwise just Google OC Clothing Co. Um, and, yeah, so they're the guys that have put it together for me. So they've been my supporters from pretty much day one. Um, yeah, ever since my first ultra, really, or my first backyard. Um, and so, yeah, they they put together really good tops and they've put this one together for me. And um, so, yeah, if you want a, a little piece of history with the with the 102, yeah, um, yeah feel free to, to find me on Instagram and, and you can go purchase one for yourself so yeah cool um i think it's worth actually um just uh mentioning how tim walsh organized the event like the vision he had for the event is basically a one-man band so he yeah that was the most he, 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 he did such an amazing job um I think the only part he needs to improve on is he needs to learn to ask for help. So there's so many people out there willing to volunteer. He just needs to ask, um, and then he doesn't have to do it all on his own. But what he put together, um, like I think he knew when he was putting it together, he, he was trying to create something epic. Um, but I, I don't know if he ever expected that we would see what what happened, um, that we, we would see a world record happen on on that property so i think he's pretty stoked about that yeah and and you know he, he's just done a fantastic job and just in the lead up to it as well just with him communicating with me like anything that that he could do to kind of make it easier for me like coming over there from from wa and things like that he he was like more than willing to to um to help me out with so yeah it's done an incredible job yeah um <laughs> And he picked the right um, overseas runner as well, Harvey Lewis. He was so much yeah, fun. yeah. Like he's not just a great runner; he's just he's just a great person to talk to. And like as I said before, like stayed with the house with him in the house with him on the Friday night, and we just stayed up like talking. And his crew, Sam, as well. Um, you know, it's just great talking to him. And you know, even though we live on like different sides of the globe, we still have a lot in common. And it was just great sharing stories. And um, yeah, like just he was going out and, and making an effort to to learn everybody's name and, you know, chatting with people on, on yeah. different laps. And, you know, even, even on the night laps, he, um, he got like a little group together that was, you know, running seven minutes on three minutes off and helping these guys get through the night. And here I am, I'm just running off on my own, doing my own thing. And, you know, he, he's getting everyone together and, and helping them all out. And yeah. he, he was just, he's just got such a great personality. He's such a, a positive person and he's just he's he's there for the for the love of the sport for the love of running and just he just wanted to like make sure everyone else had a great time as well so i don't think tim could have picked a better person to yeah. to bring over and um yeah i just really like I, di I didn't get to run a lot with harvey during the during the laps because we're at quite different paces um but I mean, just the the before the event and the after the event, and you know, like those those couple of minutes before the start of the lap, and 
all that. It was just it was just great spending time with him, and I'm really looking forward to go getting to run with him again at, at Biggs. I think that'll be pretty exciting. So, um, and he's already um, offered as well, like anything I need, like going over there, he'll he'll try and help me out with. So it's good to have that that bit of a connection there. So yeah, it'll be good. I actually um, thought because he had um, bad water so soon after the Masters, I yeah, thought... Yeah, I didn't realise it was so close. <laughs> I thought to myself, well, maybe he'll put a cap of 50 or 60 yards, but he gave everything. He was in there. He yeah. Win. He, he got to the point of delirium and he, he didn't know what was going on. And Yeah, um, yeah so he's increased his, his national record by five yards. And yeah. um, so he's now, he'd be, yeah, he'd be the top five top five in the world um but yeah I, I wonder like i never really chatted to him about this afterwards but i wonder if he was expecting that the the aussies and the kiwis would be that tough and yeah if he was he, he might have been thinking to come over and you know he'll he'll be able to run it and you know run his his easy 85 yards and, and win it yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he knew he was in for such a challenge with those guys there and yeah to to run 90 yards at a backyard and come away with with third that's like how bizarre is that and even like um i was talking to aaron young about it as well so he he got to 63 and he was fourth mm. like he doesn't even he you know he doesn't even get a look in but 63 at any other backyard in australia that would have been an easy win yeah yeah um but he's just there with 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 us guys uh, with me and with Harvey and Sam and yeah, so he he gets sixty three and walks away with with fourth. So mm-hmm. it just goes to show the the caliber of the the athletes at that event. Yeah, um, yeah, it was yeah, it was pretty um pretty amazing to be a part of. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, well, um, thanks again, Phil, for coming on. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Congratulations on the record. And, Thank you. Um, it was. Yeah, it was like you said. It was a great event, a great run. It was it was pretty much perfect in every way, really. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, yeah. It's it was pretty epic. It was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it's such a good event to be a part of. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still still trying to recover from it. So yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, I'll probably look a bit more fondly on it in in a maybe a week or so. But <laughs> um, yeah, at, at the moment, I'm I'm still just trying to get back on my feet. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, well, um, I guess I'll see you at Birdies because I'll definitely be there. Um, yep. But all the best with the recovery and yep, all, the, thank you. All, all the best at Biggs as well. Yeah, cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the chat. No worries. We'll be in touch. Okay. See you, mate. See ya. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.